Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing. A way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in. To fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. Hey sister, it's me. I wanted to pop in here really quick to make sure that you knew my best-selling book, Born to Shine, is on sale right now on Amazon. I want you to read this book so badly because it has helped thousands of other women all over the world uncover their light and shine even in the darkest moments of their lives. It's my unique message that acknowledges the overwhelming truth that even when life is in ruins, that you can still shine. It's my message of hope for women who are brave enough to say that everything is not okay, but my story isn't over yet. Go to amazon.com, type in born to shine, go grab the book, and we'll continue on to the episode. Happy Tuesday, you guys. Welcome back to the I Am Podcast. I am so excited for today's interview because I am sitting right now looking at one of my favorite people who I've admired online for a really long time. Her name's Casey Goody. And you might know her as officially Quigley, but she's an LA-based creator and educator, founder of The Social Media and a New Mama And today we are talking about I am an optimist, how to write your narrative with optimism, gratitude, and hope while still acknowledging pain and trauma. Casey, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Oh my gosh, the fact that I am talking to you in real time is a dream because I have also followed along your story and really fallen in love with you from afar. So it's so cool to finally be having this conversation and I cannot wait to chat about this topic. I know, I feel like this is long overdue and I hope one day I get to meet you in actual real life, but I'm so happy that this is happening right now. And especially during a time in your life that I know is really chaotic um, and fun, but chaotic. So thank you for carving time out to talk with us, but I want, oh, can you give everyone listening, I guess, a background of your year? Because it's been a crazy year for all of us, <laughs> but specifically for you and in the last little bit, it's there's been a lot going on. And I feel like in order for us to really have this conversation of being optimistic and 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 creating a narrative for ourselves that's based off of gratitude and hope while still acknowledging pain and trauma, everyone really needs to hear where you're coming from and, and what life has been like for you recently. Absolutely. I think I'm going to rewind even further to last fall because it's a significant, um, a significant life event happened for me last fall, which kind of leads me into this year. So I always wanted to be a mom. 
that was always on my life plan. And my mom works in family education. So I've always just been so curious about what it's like to be a parent. My sister got pregnant last year and I was like, yes, she's pregnant because she's the older sister. And I wanted to make sure her kids were older than mine. And I was kind of like waiting on her to start a family. And <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that's my go ahead to have kids once, once she pops at least one out. So my niece, Margaret, was born last fall. And about a month after she was born, she was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And it came as a shock to us. We did not know that my sister was a carrier. And being alongside my sister during that experience was one of the most life-changing events for me because obviously a diagnosis like cystic fibrosis is a lifetime you know, illness, which is very serious. And so it really was a lot of, you know, almost grieving for us in a way, but also just coming to terms with like the new reality that we were all facing as a family. And um, it was a joyous time, but it was also, you know, a lot for our family to process. And being alongside her, you know, with the birth, with the having a newborn, and also that diagnosis was a huge learning experience for me. And it sent me spiraling into this I don't know if I'm cut out to be a mom. I don't know if I'm strong enough to handle something like that. And, you know, CF is one thing, but there's a whole slew of other things, you know, that can happen that are so out of your control, out of your narrative of, you know, out of your thought process of your power. Um, how, how can I, I don't know if I can do that. It was so hard with my sister. I was like, I don't know if I can do that. It took me a while to process what happened to my sister in an, a light of optimism and in a, you know, shifting it to the, this is so hard and Mark, like, this is so tragic and this is so bad to how lucky we were to have the support of each other during that time to, you know, how lucky we were that we caught it soon because some kids don't get diagnosed until they're much older. How Margaret is going to be our teacher. That's her name, Margaret on how to be strong and to be a fighter and, you know, how the experience just overall, I, I mean, we don't need to get into spirituality much, but, you know, w- would be destined for all of us to become the people we're meant to be. And that eventually, when I had those aha moments of how can I look at this in a, in a beautiful and optimistic and uh, gratitude forward way was when I finally was like, okay, I think I'm ready to be a mom. Because it made me obviously see the the beautiful aspects of that whole experience and just starting out on that journey as, you know, an aunt and supporting my sister through that. So, sorry if I'm <laughs> long-winded, but this setup is important. No, this is important. great. This is important. Yeah, so I got pregnant on the first try, which is insane. I literally, I said to my husband, okay, I think I'm ready now. We tried and we got pregnant in January. And it was bonkers. I'm still in awe. No freaking clue how that happened, but lovely that it did. And my first response was obviously shock because I thought it was going to take... I was like, maybe this will take years. So it happened. Yeah, because that first time, like, you don't know. You don't know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually going in to get tested to see if I was a carrier of myself for cystic fibrosis. And that's how I found out I was pregnant. Mm. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that like in that, That's amazing. in that session at my OBs, they were like, oh, by the way, you actually already are pregnant. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know this. Yeah. I didn't know that's how you found out. Yeah. That's amazing. And so that was shocking as well. So I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. And, you know, very shortly after, I, I think I was around 10 weeks when, actually, I, t- I kept a journal of like the whole like finding out about COVID while I was pregnant, and I, which would be really interesting to show my son someday. But it was like, hey, there's this disease or there's this virus. Um, and it's kind of like weird and, oh, hey, now we're on lockdown and, oh, hey, now our whole lives are changed. Like it's very, it's very funny, but obviously, you know, enter COVID and it totally changed the course of the pregnancy and coming to terms with how my pregnancy would be different. Obviously you had a similar experience finding out about COVID at the same time. So I think we were in the same shoes with imagining how our pregnancies would go differently that this year. And that led to a lot of, how do I want to view this pregnancy? What do, how, like, how do I want my mindset to be going into the curveballs that this year might send me, you know, while also coping with, okay, this is a lot of changes for my body. How am I going to manage this from a mental health standpoint as well? A little backstory just for a second. I went on Zoloft in January. This is right before I found out I was pregnant. Two weeks mm. before I went, I found out I was pregnant, I went on and... SSRI. And it's the first time I've ever been on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication. And I considered, obviously, I had just started it. I asked my psychiatrist and my OB, like, should I go off this for the pregnancy? And they were like, well, how's it, how's it working? And I was like, great. I haven't had one episode where I felt like, you know, I was off the rails this whole month. And they were like, well, then, you know, it's going to be better for the baby if you're not, if you're mentally stable and you're feeling good throughout mm. the pregnancy, that's going to trump any kind of residual, you know, if there is any sort of negative side effects, they're very minimal. So they were, they recommended I stay on it. I did stay on the Zoloft and I'm still on the same dose. Um, and I do genuinely think that that really helped me get a handle on my mental health through this year. I think I can't even imagine where I'd be if I was not on it so that's one thing so everybody listening needs to know that that is a factor in all of this because we're going to be talking about like how your thoughts can shape your reality but there is a certain extent to which chemically you're not in control so yeah I love that you brought this point up because it's so important and it's so empowering when we also give ourselves permission to to get that help or to be on that medication and that that's okay so Thank you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. I think um, there is a certain degree at which I've always been very optimistic and I will always see the glass, you know, half full and I always find the silver lining in things and almost to a fault. That is like my go-to how I see the world. But in the past, I would employ those, you know, thought processes of, you know, how do I see this from a different perspective? How do I see... you know, the gratitude in this? How do I see the hope in this? How do I see the good elements of this situation that I'm finding hard? And a lot of times my depression and anxiety would completely halt those thoughts. Then when I got help for my depression and anxiety, I could have those thought processes and employ those, you know, mental shifts 
and I'd actually feel the change in my body. Whereas before I, I would try and, you know, coach myself to an extent and I would feel numb. So luckily the Zoloft worked to the point where I could be a little bit more in control of my relationship with my thoughts and how they affected my body. So then that just got me thinking, you know, how much control do we actually really have? And obviously everybody's on a different spectrum of how their, you know, mental health is. But I think if you asked anyone, can your thoughts shape your reality, they might have a different answer. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. So my point is coming to my pregnancy, everybody has a different experience with being pregnant, right? And some people will describe it as extremely hard. Some people will describe it as extremely joyous. Some people will describe it as a spectrum of emotions. There is, I mean, it's the gamut. But I wanted to go into my pregnancy going, how can I really enjoy this process? Because it's it's a really unique once in a lifetime, if not more, experience to be pregnant during a pandemic? How do I create the narrative that I want to create in my head so that I can be at peace with this process? And I know it's going to get hard, but like, how do I focus on the good stuff so that that becomes my story? And I think that that worked in a lot of respects, but then also there are these elements that come in that are so out of your control that throw you for such a curveball, and it gets hard. And you know that very, very firsthandedly. With being pregnant, it really was an exploration for me in terms of how do I focus on the good stuff, but then also I wanted to be careful of when something bad or hard did happen for me to not be like, this isn't real, or let's not pay attention to it, or let's stuff stuff these emotions, or like not acknowledge them as being real and raw. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. So before we go any further... I want to talk about this experience that I had recently, which triggered these thoughts (laughs) because I feel like I got called out in a way. And I think it's really hard for a lot of content creators to acknowledge when they're following. Like a lot of times people are like, oh, so-and-so said this about me and how dare they? But whenever anyone calls me out for something, my immediate response is, oh, dang, like I made them feel that way. I really want to listen and hear so that I don't do that again. So this girl asked me, how did your pregnancy go? Was it worth it? All of the side effects of being pregnant. Was it worth it? I thought she was referring to morning sickness and all of the, you know, physical ailments that go along with being pregnant. Like, was is it worth it now that you are with your baby? Like, you know. Would you do it again? Kind of. So I posted a response to that question. And I said something along the lines of, you know, your pregnancy, you have a a control over your narrative of your pregnancy. Like if you're going to say this is going to be a hard pregnancy, it's probably going to be a hard pregnancy. But if your mental thought process is this is going to be something I'm going to enjoy, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to persevere or it's going to be hard. I might get curveballs thrown at me, but I can handle it there's a different narrative going on there rather than this is going to be really and not necessarily coaching yourself through those. It could be, but I can turn it around. So I made a statement like if it's going to be, if you decide it's going to be, it's going to be. And unfortunately, I think the way that I said it, someone else came in and interpreted it saying 
we don't have control. Like people go through hard shit in their pregnancies. They lose the baby. They, you know, and what happened to my sister can happen. It gets hard. And are you saying that like people just wish that upon themselves? And I was like, oh shoot, I dug myself into a hole. My question, I think we're the perfect people to have this conversation is what, what, to what extent are we in control? I love this. I love this question. I love everything that you just shared because it brought us to this point now so perfectly. And I remember when I was in the hospital, we were pregnant around the same time. I think you were like a month, month and a half after me. Or like you got pregnant a month and a half or so after me. And so COVID hit both of us in our pregnancies, like almost around the same time. And at first I was like, my biggest worry was if I was going to be able to have a baby shower or not, because I really wanted to have a baby shower. Like I felt like we just had waited so long to, to grow our family. And in my mind, that was the most important thing because... It hadn't crossed my mind yet that other things might go wrong. So I was like, I want a baby shower. And as COVID was progressing, then I was like, okay, it's okay if I don't have a baby shower. Let's just get through this and, and get everyone here safe and healthy. When I was in the hospital, it was the first day that the hospitals shut down, allowing you to have like anyone with you. So it, it was like I needed to be in the, admitted to the hospital right away because I had gone septic out of nowhere and was about to have two kidney failures. Having to wheel away from my husband and then I'm just alone. And then three days later, my, my body couldn't sustain the pregnancy anymore while I was sick and so we lost, we lost our baby boy, Jace. And I obviously was so devastated, destroyed, distraught, upset, like all of, all of those things. And I could live in that narrative forever. And this is what we're talking about now. I could live in this. I was, I was robbed of joy. I was robbed of his life. He was robbed of his life. These things were taken. I'm so, I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm afraid. Like that could be my narrative now forever. If I, if I chose that that's what I wanted. There is this moment where I realized that my experience giving birth to my son was one of the most profound experiences in my life where I was given this gift of experiencing my child in a completely different way where I was able to see how strong I am, where I was able to tap into this internal power that I hadn't ever had to physically go into because I've never been that sick ever. And it gave me this opportunity to be like, this is freaking one of the hardest things that's ever happened to me. And look at how I'm able to rise in it. Look at what I've done. Look at what I'm doing. Look at the joy my son still brings me to my life, even though he's not here physically with me. Like I feel him everywhere, every day. What a gift 
that is. And so while we are not in control of all of the details that happen to us, all of the events, all of other people's decisions that impact us that we have no control over, natural disasters, natural things like a pandemic that we're not in control over, we are in control of how we react to them, how we think about them, how we allow them to either drag us down in our lives or boost us up. And that is what creates our reality. So we're not in control of what happens to us, but we're in, we're in control of what happens inside of us. And inside of us, we can still create a beautiful, joy-filled life and world, even when it's chaotic around us. Can I just say... Everyone listening, just give Ash a round of applause because it, I mean, hearing those words from your mouth, I've obviously seen all of your posts about what you went through, but hearing those words from your mouth again, you could see moved me like almost to tears because of the strength and resilience that you have had in, in turning that around. Because I don't, I don't know anyone, I don't honestly know anyone on the planet that could take that what that experience and so eloquently say what you just said in terms of the way that you have framed that for you. And, you know, you. this was very recent. It usually takes people, I mean, five to ten years to get to make that sort of personal, th those kinds of revelations in, in trauma. So congratulations. You are a freaking goddess. Thanks. <laughs> so um, are you. <laughs> Dang. Okay. So in terms of world events that you cannot control, the pandemic leads us to our next kind of topic of conversation, which is my son got COVID 14 days after yes. he, he was born. <laughs> can, can we pause for really quickly? Because you've done, so you've done all these things throughout your pregnancy to be mentally well, to be physically well to prepare the best you can to welcome your son into the world, to create an atmosphere that you want him to come into, like everything within your control, would you say that you, you went above and beyond to prepare for? I feel like I did. I mean, everyone, everyone yeah. is their own worst critic where I'm like, oh, I could have done this better and better. But no, you <laughs> killed it. <laughs> but yeah, I felt really like I had been making really good decisions as far as, you know, my mental health and my physical health went. And I felt like very prepared. I would re read all the books, did all the research. I'm a science geek. So when it comes to the anatomy of the human body and the experience of birth, I just like went ham on all of the classes and things that I could do to educate myself on having a great experience in labor. And, you know, one of those things was how I mentally framed and spiritually framed my labor. So I did a lot of meditating in advance. In the third trimester, it was basically meditated every day. And that really, really, really helped me prepare myself for what was to happen next. Because before we get to the COVID aspect of things, I did have complications in, in my labor. And my birth story went totally different than the way that I imagined it slash was planning on it. But still, in looking back, even though we had all this crazy stuff happen to us, I'm still in awe of how my brain is still going, but it was lovely and it was wonderful. And I don't think I'm lying to myself in that, if that makes sense. And I don't think I'm not, Absolutely. like, I don't think I'm not acknowledging the shit 
that went down. It went down and it was freaking nuts. But I also look back and I'm like, wait, but that was like exhilarating and it was so cool and I learned so much and I'm so strong and wow, my body, similar to what, yes, yeah, what you felt. Right. And, but I think it's really important to point that out because it's like, you can have the right frame of mind. You can do everything you can to create a physical reality around you. So things go a certain way. But even with all of that, there are still variables and unknowns that will come. And so now after preparing to safely bring your baby boy into the world, um, I know that you went into labor early on your baby moon. And so that was a totally different birth plan. And now he's here. You guys are finally home from the hospital. And now he gets COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'll start, I'll start addressing the like labor situation because it is very interesting in terms of how it went down. I, I thought I was going to have a home birth. I really wanted to have a home birth. And he came early. I had cholestasis, which is a, a liver condition, and then also preeclampsia, which both of those combined ruled me out on the home birth situation. So we did a hospital labor. I was so, even though I wanted a home birth, I was allowed to have a doula in the hospital. And it was the first day that they allowed doulas. It was a, I was one of the first people to get a doula in the hospital because obviously they were only allowing one person. The entire pregnancy... I had this mindset of all I want is a hospital labor with a doula, but they won't give it to me. And I was like, but whatever, I'll, I'll, that was what I envisioned, what I always wanted, but it was against the rules. So I never considered it. So that's why I defaulted to a home birth because I was like, I really want that emotional, mental, spiritual support. And this is the only way I can have this team of people here. And then eventually the universe, you know, ended up manifesting what I originally had said I wanted, which was very odd. But we go to we go into labor and things get crazy because of the complications. But eventually he, you know, was born. We spent a little bit of time in the NICU just for some simple things like he had some meconium. So he had to go on some antibiotics and a little bit of jaundice. So we were waiting that out. That week in the hospital was pretty hard. It was like seven days and I was so excited to go home. But it did not compare to what was about to happen next, which was the first follow-up visit we had with our pediatrician. He, we think, contracted COVID there. We learned two days after we made that visit that our pediatrician was diagnosed with COVID. So that was basically the only exposure we could have... We can only assume that that's where he got it. We can't obviously prove it. Neither Alex nor I or anyone who uh, we know that is in our bubble, which is our two moms, had it. So that happened. Yeah, we had a baby that was 14 days old that got COVID. And that was not a part of my plan. (laughs) That was not something I I think I manifested. uh, But I, the way that I framed it and the way that I now am looking at it in hindsight, if you asked me how'd that go for you, the first thing I would say would not be, oh, it was so hard, Ashley was so hard. I've never been so scared. My son, you know, I almost lost him. I wouldn't say that to you. I'd say, well, actually, it could have gone a lot worse. It was really a challenging experience for us, but Max was so strong. He came out a fucking fighter. Now I know I have a, a baby with an immune system that is like 
bam, you know, I was comparing it to my experience in the NICU and I said, oh, well, it was hard being in the NICU, but that maybe prepared me for this experience. It was hard being alongside my sister when her daughter was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, but maybe that prepared me for this experience and made me strong enough to handle it. Because I will say, when I found out he had COVID, for some weird ass reason, I wasn't that scared. And I think I wasn't that scared because of the mental coaching that I was doing with myself in the hospital. And even before that, you know, you spent your last trimester meditating every day, really, really just getting into that mental, spiritual place of stillness and peace. And how do you think that 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 then helped how you responded to him getting COVID? I had one word that was going to be my word for labor, and it was surrender. I kept going back to that, and that put me at a place of ease. And I think also another thing that you probably felt with your experience is that this thing is so trans it's so transformative giving labor, you know, giving birth that yes. you find a strength in you that you never knew was possible. Because if somebody told me before this experience, you your, your son's gonna get COVID, I would say, I'm not gonna make it through. I'm gonna, I'm, you're gonna have to pull me off the floor. I'm not gonna be able to handle it. I don't have the strength. But when I spent that subsequent week quarantining with him in the hospital while he had COVID, I was so strong for him. I don't think I ever wavered in, because I knew that if I was gonna be strong, he would feel it. And that if I would break down, he would feel that energy as well. Because, you know, he's a baby, but he, he, Everyone feels energy. So if I lose it, you know, that's probably not going to help in his recovery process. It wasn't a mental thought that I was like making a note of, don't lose your shit case, otherwise your baby's not going to heal as fast. But it was like biologically my body took over and I found this strength that I did not know that I had. And I was like, we're doing this. And I did not let myself get to that place of despair. It was weird. It was like something took over me and I was like, no, no. I got this. Max has got this. We're good. Like, we're going to handle this. That's really cool. It's like your fear. I, and I think a lot of times our fear and our pain start telling us a very untrue narrative of what's going to happen or what's happening. But you were in such a mental state where your intuition and your faith in the future, like that, that was leading instead of what so often can happen in our minds when things get really, really hard. And that's so powerful because I think that so many of us, I think all of us truly, and especially this year, it's like, how do we sit in the middle of chaos and, and not go crazy ourselves and not completely lose it ourselves? And this idea of being an optimist is so powerful because it truly can change how you feel in your reality, regardless of what's going on. So something that I want to ask you is, where do you think the line is drawn between like a toxic optimism, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And then still acknowledging pain and trauma, but being optimistic in your life. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk through the specific experience then, right? Because 
that is that is the fundamental crux of this conversation. So if I were to have been in that scenario where I'm sitting in the hospital, right? The doctor just comes in and they he tells me your son has covid. I could I I mean I have a few choices, right, of how I'm going to react. There's obviously the emotional element of a, a reaction cuz you know your heart rate changes, your body like is going to get hot. Like there's a physical sensation of like something that's very out of your control. It's an autonomic response, right? And that will tell your brain how to then react. So you've you've got some elements that are out of your control because your 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 body's just going to react, right? But then you're you know in your head you have the choice of going, okay, what does this mean for me? And you are able to steer the ship in a few different directions. I think a lot of that is that internal dialogue. So I could have said, oh my god, this is insane. What's going to happen? He could die. I could I could lose my son. I can't believe this or whatever it is going down the path of this could be the worst. This could be XYZ um that's what's the op- opposite of oh pessimistic. Pessimistic thoughts. <laughs> opposite of op- optimist. <laughs> pessimistic thoughts uh, and that's fear talking, right? And then there is another route which is what would love say and what would hope say. And that is uh, where I generally tend to default to in my mindset of, okay, I, it's not that I'm not going to acknowledge the fact that bad things can happen. It's not like I'm going to say, absolutely no, this will never happen to me. It's just I'm not going to spend my time and energy harboring it and, and really ruminating on it. Instead of that pessimistic route, I'm going to ask myself, okay, what, how could this scenario possibly go right? And if I spend a little bit of time thinking about and visualizing how it might go right, then that's going to set, like, imagine those two different energy wavelengths, right? One is going, and the other one is a little bit at peace. And you want your body to be in a state of peace so that you can handle and react to things in a way that is not out of fear. And it's based out of love and it's based from a place that you'd look back on and go, oh, I'm glad I made that call or that decision or had that mindset. So in the current moment, for me, it's, it's a question of denial versus acknowledging that anything could happen. The bad things could happen. I'm not going to spend my time thinking about the what ifs, but I'm going to know that if the bad things do happen, that I'm going to find the strength to conquer that scenario. Or if something happens that's out of my control, I am capable of being able to turn it around to help not only myself, but to help others as well. And I think that's something that you have done so incredibly magically with your story and your experiences in life is that you, no matter what happens to you, will use your experiences to lift others up. And for me, that should that fact there should get, give everyone hope because that makes you resilient. That makes you untouchable because anything could happen to you and you would have the mindset of, and I'm, and I'm going to help more people by, by it. It's the concept of pain to purpose or pain to power and being able to use those things to help you rise and 
then help other people rise on their way up too. And something that you said that I love just now was, was really leaning into love and hope and asking yourself, what do love and hope, what, what are they saying right now? What does that look like right now? Because love and hope are the complete opposite of fear. And I, I don't think I've ever looked at optimism as a combination of love and hope, but really that's what it is. And, and if we can ask ourselves, what does love want me to know or feel or do or teach me right now? That's a totally different answer than what fear wants to do to us right now. And I think that that can be a really good signpost of what do I do moving forward? Well, what do love and hope want me to do? Because that's what I started doing with pain. I started asking my pain what it was that it wanted to teach me so that instead of not acknowledging my pain and instead of running away from it and instead of trying to find things that I thought brought me love and hope or like, but really were just fleeting moments of happiness to just try to shove everything down and bury it so that I could not have to deal with it. That's toxic optimism. That's, that's destroying ourselves. That's taking, that's giving away our power to things that will never service because again, a fear, because fear thinks that we're not courageous or strong enough to, to process through the hard crap. But once I sat and started asking pain, I feel you very overwhelming right now. You're not going away. What is it that you want me to learn? Then I could start viewing my life and circumstances differently and start learning in a way that could lead me closer to love and hope when it was hard to feel those feelings sometimes. Oh my God, absolutely. And I I just think think that that becomes such a powerful shift in our lives when we can learn how to sit with all of those feelings and know that we can still create a reality within us that is hopeful and happy and we're really freaking powerful actually that that we can even have the capacity to do that so max is finally home now he is which i'm just like so i remember when i saw you post that i'm like oh my gosh just praying for you all just at every moment like this just has to he has to be okay and he is okay. And now looking back on this experience, what is it that you feel like it's done for you? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, it prepared me for life as a newborn. <laughs> because dude, when you're by yourself in a hospital with a newborn and they have COVID, anything after that seems like a breeze. You can change some poopy diapers now. Yeah, like, my husband's like, this is, like, you know, he's he's processing this differently than me because he obviously was not with us while we were quarantined in the hospital. And so this is, you know, life with a newborn is now new for him in the way where, like, for me, it's like, oh, well, this is, life at home here is not as hard as it was for me by myself in the hospital. But now coming back, it's like, I... I'm carrying over those things that I was doing into being a new mother, right? So like, Mm -hmm. it's very, obviously, there's a lot of sleep deprivation. Baby cries a lot. 
there are lots of mysteries to why baby is crying because no one can ask them. <laughs> you know, looking at that, it's like every time it gets hard or every time there's something that feels, you know, like I possibly can't get through this, I think about what happened with our experience of COVID and I'm like, wow, that that gave me this sort of strength and optimism of A, we can get through anything and B, nothing's permanent and C, like it's all in how you look at it. And for me, I'm not going to look at, you know, oh, this is so hard and oh gosh, I just wish I had more sleep. I'm going to look at, I'm going to spend my time and energy focusing on these beautiful moments with my newborn are precious and they're priceless and they're not going to last forever. And right now I don't want to create my narrative of a, it's so hard to be a parent of a newborn. When someone asks me how it's going, I, I, I'm going to tell them it's, it's a magical time. It's freaking crazy, but it's magical. And I'm not going to deny how difficult it's been, but I'm going to lead with how I will always cherish this time. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes total sense. What do you think for, so for everyone listening right now who might be in this place of, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just not, I just don't know how to make that happen for myself because this is really stressful. This is really hard. I've lost my job. I'm stuck in my house from the, like just all the things so many people are facing. What would you say, like even from your experience is a good starting place to even know how to begin to do that shifting your thoughts yeah so one of my favorite techniques that I do is this oh gosh what is the name of this author her name is Carol Dwight and she wrote a book called Mindset and her two mindset philosophies that she compares are a growth mindset and a fixed mindset Growth mindset is a way of thinking that you have the belief that a certain fundamental thing in life is changeable. So for example, I don't have a job right now. Is that something that's fixed or is it something that can change? And when you can identify the difference between a growth mindset thought and a fixed mindset thought then you can adjust them to be a growth mindset. So let me walk through some other examples because I feel like I'm kind of complicating things. But a fixed mindset would be, I don't have a job and that's something that I'm not in control of. A growth mindset might be, I don't have a job, but I can do X, Y, Z to change that situation. And I love so, the word but. Yeah, it's like, a, it, is the universe doing this to me? Is this something that the universe, like that I don't have control over? Am I a victim in this scenario or am I an agent of change in this scenario? Oh, I love that. That's good. I mean, obviously, like I'm not, and this is not, and I think I'm, I'm going to use the word victim very carefully here because obviously that's a very valid word in a lot of circumstances. But in other circumstances, we make ourselves the victim. We said, oh, this happened to me and and it's because of all these forces out there that I can't control. But what I like to do is trying to identify when I'm thinking in that way. Oh, the world out there, it's 
it's so-and-so's fault or it's because this or it's because I can't control this or I can't control the pandemic and I can't control this. When you move yourself into a mindset of what, what is it that I can control and do I believe it's a changeable scenario? Then you can start to identify, okay, what can I control? What am I, what, what's within my scope of control? Is it possible for me to move from point A to point B? And when you can see that and visualize where you might be going, you pull yourself out of the, well, the people out there are doing it to me and there's nothing I can do. It's so powerful once you give yourself the power to start visualizing something new, something good, something like joy and happiness. I think a lot of times when, when we go through hard things, when we're in our pain, it's really easy to forget that we don't have to feel like that forever and that that situation's not going to last forever. And there's something that happens when we can start seeing a different future for ourselves than is our current reality. And it is, it makes it, it starts making it real. It starts a lot. It starts just allowing us to, to dream a different life. And then once we can grasp that, then we can make like tangible steps forward instead of, of just sitting in it, not moving. We get kind of frozen. I think that pain freezes us. People often ask, how do I get unstuck? How do I, we get frozen because we forget that there's anything else outside of that bad feeling that we are feeling. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to bring up another example of a, a, a physical pain that I had during my labor. I never knew that carpal tunnel was a thing for pregnant people, but apparently it is. And so on... I didn't know that either till you. <laughs> about 37 weeks, um, I lost feeling in my hands. And oh my gosh. I still don't have the feeling back in my hands. Like this, this whole part of my hand is pins and needles, like totally numb <laughs> on both wow. hands. And, you know, that's something that I could lead with. I could say, oh, my pregnancy has been so hard because I don't have use of my hands. Right? It's a physical pain. It's a chronic pain. It sucks. But here's a caveat is the way that I'm writing my narrative in my head is not, oh, I'm, I'm never going to know when this is going to get better. This is so hard. I can't use my phone. It hurts for me to do my job. I can't do the dishes. It hurts for me to wash my hair. Like, when is this going to end? It could never end. What if I have surgery, 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 surgery? The more times I think surgery, like, that's, that's not the way that I want to experience my life. And I, it's not to diminish those things. Those are all real things and real thoughts. But when I have the thought, because I have, of course, I've been doing the dishes and I've been like, this is really shitty to have numb hands doing the dishes. When I have the thought, I don't go, push that away. Don't think that. I think, oh, okay, makes sense for you to have that thought. It's okay for you to have that thought. It's valid for you to have that thought. But, you know, Everybody pulls a pregnancy straw. Everybody's got physical ailments. I'm going to get through this. If I need surgery, fine. If I, I can get through it, I'm going to, whatever it is that I need to do, whatever strength it is I need to do to find my, myself, yeah. When it comes to my hands, I have a choice of harboring on the fact that it sucks that it happened to me, that it's so hard to do all of the tasks that I need to do with this chronic pain and 
Um, you know, I don't know when the end is in sight. I don't know when it's going to happen, uh, if there's ever going to be any relief or, and this is something that, you know, I got from my meditation series is I can view it as this challenge, this particular challenge of not being able to use my hands could be the one thing that makes me into the mom that my son Max needs me to be. And this is a, mm. a, a weird way to look at it, but I'm very attached to my phone. I spend a lot of time on my phone and a lot of time, you know, using social media. When I had hands that were numb, I was not able to spend that much time on my phone. So it slowly weaned me off of mm. that attachment to my phone. Now I'm with my son. I barely get a second with my phone. And wow, the universe has provided a way to segue, segue me into wow. motherhood. So I'm, I'm doing what I can to take this experience and go, well, how am I going to learn from it? How am I going to grow from it? How is it going to make me in, uh, into the person that I need to be for my son? Does that make sense? Makes absolute sense. That is so powerful quickly. Like being able to shift your thought like that, a thought that I often have and that I've had to practice. And, and I also want to be clear that everything we're talking about, we practice this. Like we've heard you say that you started meditating during pregnancy. So you could be in this mindset, right? This isn't like an overnight, Oh, everything's just happy now. It's, it's a practice, which is why I always talk about the time you spend in the morning, being able to prepare for the day is so important. Mm -hmm. But a thought that I have that I've been practicing is my experience with loss of my children is preparing me to be the best mom to my children who come next. Mm -hmm. And when we can start viewing our reality differently like that, man, there's a power behind it that that we wouldn't get from life just being good all the time. Like we wouldn't ever learn our resilience or our power or our ability to rise above if things just always went our way. That's not what life is. That's not, that's not what we're doing down here mm -hmm. and how powerful that our minds can help us create peace and happiness even when it's, even when it's crazy. Yeah, and I want to go back. I want to do one call back to uh, a word that you had used when you were talking about giving birth to Jace. You said it was a gift. And I think language is just so powerful in how yeah. we use the language of do we frame it as a tragedy or do we frame it as a gift? And you decided to frame it as a gift. And at the, at the end of the day, that is optimism to me. That is optimism, is acknowledging that it is it is. It is both, but deciding which will be your narrative. Like, how are you going to reflect on it? This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love you so freaking much. To end our time together, I feel like I could talk about this with you all day. But I also know you have a newborn to get back to. <laughs> what is the last thing that you want to leave with whoever is listening who might be going through a hard time right now? Oh man, I want to give you a hug. And mm -hmm. I hope, I hope that if anything, you know, between what you have heard both, you know, Ash and me talk about today, 
the experiences that both of us have had and how um, we've shift, shifted the way that we've internalized them in our own in the context of our own stories that hopefully you have some takeaways and are able to apply some of these things to what you're going through right now. And I think the bottom line is this too shall pass. Nothing is permanent. Nothing in life is permanent, which can give you a lot of hope because that means you never know what is right around the corner. And lastly, I think I just want to call us back to that. Like what would, what would love say? How would love have us write our narratives? And do we want to let fear be the one with the pen or, or love? And if you're ever going through a hard time, ask yourself who's, who's writing. See if, see if you can, see if you can, you know, hand the pen off. That's, that's amazing. That's all I got. You're amazing. (laughs) This is, that's everything. That's everything we all needed. Thank you for sharing your gift with us, your light, your, your optimism. You're just such a bright human and a bright light for all of us who get the privilege of, of, of you sharing your life with us. Where can everyone come find you online? Oh my goodness. Well, my social handle is officially Quigley and my website is officially Quigley.com. And then I also have social media emphasis on soul, S-O-U-L, which is our online store where you can find our online education resources, where we have classes and e-resources for creators. And as always, we'll put all of this in the show notes too, so that you guys can go find Quigley online. Thank you so much for joining us today, Quigs. And to all of you listening at home, we love you. You can do this. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley Kalemu so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.